0: WCNC Charlotte this is flashpoint where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered thanks for joining us here on flashpoint i'm ben thompson this weekend thousands are in uptown to celebrate pride here in the queen city and it couldn't come at a more critical time this week lawmakers in raleigh passing several laws targeting the transgender community and folks are fired up Joining us now is Liz Shobe and Daniel Valdez, both with Charlotte Pride. Thank you both for coming on. We appreciate it. Happy Pride, I should say. Happy
1: Pride. Thanks for having us. Um, Thank you.
0: I want to go through some of these laws that were passed this past week up in Raleigh. You got a ban on trans women taking part in uh, women's sports. You got a ban on doctors from... offering any sort of gender-affirming care for minors, a ban on elementary schools from having any materials dealing with gender or sexuality, and that would also force teachers to out any of their trans students to that child's parents. Um, I know we, we always say that, that Pride started as a protest and not a celebration. This is a reminder of that. So beyond this weekend, uh, what implications do you worry these laws could have? Uh, I, I want to hear from you both, but Liz, I'll start with you
1: well laws like this will have an impact for a long time even if they end up uh becoming you know scratched from the law in a few years it's going to have a resounding effect for a very long time it's and i believe it sets a very dangerous precedence Um, all people want to do is live their lives and play sports and have fun and any law that is based on fear is ultimately not one that's going to benefit all of society so um I encourage folks to think really critically about this law and even if it even if these laws don't affect you personally it might affect someone that you love I mean and even if you don't know someone personally who these laws affect it's there's still going to be long uh term ramifications that we, we're not sure of yet but we do believe that they're going to be very dangerous
0: Daniel
2: yeah I mean I, I think you mentioned this. this is a reminder to all of us that this work continues um that there are um leaders out there elected officials who are doing this for political theater really and we know that the majority of americans do not agree uh with these um these these bills that are that are being passed and um and it's really important for us uh, uh not just this week but uh, throughout the year to continue to engage our community uh, so that they know um, what what these uh, these elected officials are, are doing in, in our state legislature. Um, and um, I think we have to organize to send them a very clear message that the majority of Americans do not agree with what they're doing.
1: Yes, advocacy is gonna really be a really big touch point at the festival, We had already plans that, and this just mobilizes us all the more.
0: I mean, the, the gay and trans movement had had a number of victories locally, but also nationally for the past decade. Um, do you think this actually serves as a good reminder the folks going to Pride this weekend, hey, there's there still work to be got done, there's still conversations to be had, there's there still progress to be made?
1: Yes, it's absolutely, um, unfortunately, a great reminder that we still have a long way to go. We've come a long way, but the battle is not over. The journey is not over. Uh, we have a, a long way to go. And frankly, we can't do this alone. We need folks uh, who are allies to to step up and walk beside us um, and to help us keep doing this work because the battle is not over. Uh, we've still got a long way to go.
0: As far as this, let me talk about this. Let me talk about this weekend, um, because we, we, there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of it's celebratory um as well um what does this weekend's event mean to you each individually um as we get ready to uh celebrate pride weekend
2: i can get us started on on that go for it for me in, in particular i mean this is a an opportunity for us to come together um to celebrate but also uh to be reminded of of the, of the work that's ahead and everything that has happened before uh, to get us here as well. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to celebrate with the community. Um, also Charlotte Pride for me is an opportunity for folks uh, who are um, who are coming from other places where they don't have these kinds of festivals uh, from around the state and um, from around the region. Um, and it's great to be able to create this opportunity and, uh, and this space uh, for, for community. Um, and we're just really looking forward to, to having that uh, and it's just particularly salient um, this week with what's going on in our state legislature.
1: Mm-hmm. Liz, yeah. So for me, this this festival it's it's so much more than um, just a festival or a, a party. It really is a time um, set aside to be really intentional and to you know, well, have those advocacy moments and talk about things that are that we're struggling with, but also to celebrate joy. You know, it's so important to take moments to just be together and, and to celebrate um, the things that are wonderful. Um, it's I think it's really important to have a reminder. And for me, this is the first time that I'm doing behind the scenes of the festival. Last year, I was just an attendee and getting to see how things run behind the scenes makes me even more proud to be a part of this community, but to also be a part of Charlotte Pride and to see all the hard work that goes into this, um, to see the, uh, you know, a vast amount of volunteers and people absolutely dedicated to putting this on. I'm just really, really excited. It's been a long time coming, and I think especially after the unfortunate news we received about um, the legislature and their decision, uh, it, it couldn't be more timely because we it's. We all just need to kind of come together and have a moment of joy.
0: The, uh, the parade, the big event is uh, Sunday. Um, often the largest parade here in Charlotte every year. Um, and I think people are often when you go to the, the pride parade, you're you're, I think, most surprised by that diversity. And I mean that in every possible sense of the word. I mean, people from every possible walk of life, um, you have people like my, my mother and father in law, you got people from every other community that, that's there. And I think that's probably what's most shocking to people when they when they go to their first pride parade. Um, what do you guys think? What, what do you tell people? What should they expect?
2: Uh, we are we should we should expect uh lots of lots of folks out there uh we have over 40 floats 200 entries and almost 10,000 people that we anticipate marching in the parade itself uh not to mention the the thousands that will be there uh watching uh the parade and so we we encourage folks to come out uh to make sure that um that they bring sunscreen uh and and water it's going to be sunny which is great uh, but it, we know it's been it's been hot so uh we're, we're really looking forward to to having folks uh come in and see the parade, um, and see all of the different organizations and groups that are part of this community, um, that are supporting uh, this work, that are supporting this community. um, And um, it's gonna be a a really fun time.
0: Yeah, sunscreen's a great idea. I've gotten burned at a few pride parades in the past. Uh, uh, Liz, what's your recommendation to folks? We
2: have a lot of
1: things in We've We've really, you know, Brought it this year. We have a really exciting VIP zone sponsored by McDonald's, our main stage, our headliners, Tr- Big, uh, Big Frida and Grace and Chance. I'm personally very, very excited to see them both. We've got a really stacked entertainment lineup. We have a youth and family zone. We have Flourish, which is a mini arts activation, a mini arts festival within the larger festival. We've got Neighborhood Market sponsored by the Arts and Science Council. Uh, we've got something for everybody.
0: And what do you hope that people walk away? Let's say um, whether it's somebody who's a member of the LGBTQ community or who, somebody who's just an ally uh, going for their first time. What do you hope that they walk away thinking and feeling?
1: Personally, I hope they walk away feeling that, you know, love is love. You know, there, there's so much you know negativity happening in the, happening in the world, but it's so important to take time to really you know, remind yourself and remind each other that there is love in the world. There are good people in the world. And the Charlotte Pride Festival and Parade is going to be full of a lot of them. All
0: right. I hope, uh, Daniel,
2: uh, please go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, the the festival is also an opportunity where um, all of our organizations that are working to support our community are there. So um, not only are are we hoping that folks come and and enjoy the festival and walk away uh, with a sense of community, but also if there are uh, any resources that they need, um, that they're able to connect with these organizations and are able to follow up with them.
0: All right, Liz Show, Daniel Val- Valdez. Thank you both for coming on and happy Pride. Happy Pride. All right, take care. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. This week, early voting set to restart ahead of a local primary election here in North Carolina. And this election will be one of the first times voters will have to show a form of ID in order to vote at the polls. It's a process that's been years, years in the making. Joining us now is the Director of Elections here in Mecklenburg County, Michael Dickerson. Mr. Dickerson, welcome back to Flashpoint. Good morning, Ben. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, You're a busy man, I I know. Uh, you got a a primary, and election coming up. Um, One of the big new things here uh, is the fact that, once again, we are required to uh, show IDs uh, when we vote. Uh, There was a brief time back in 2016, 2017, we had to do it, and then, of course, a a court uh, repealed that ruling, so now we're back at it. So remind folks um, what they've got to do when they come vote.
3: Exactly. Uh, this year, the the requirement is that you show a, a, a photo ID. Uh, it's not a voter ID. It's a photo ID. So we're looking for a reasonable resemblance of the person who is standing before me to vote. So uh, this year, bring your driver's license with you or bring your passport or bring your um, uh, your your federal uh, ID. If you're a student, most of the campuses around uh, the county have been approved as uh, student IDs. Uh, so for like uh, Johnson C. Smith, UNC Charlotte, Queens, Davidson, all of those have have that ability to to use that as a photo ID for voting. Uh, or if you haven't had a chance to, uh, if you don't have one of those, you're welcome to come down to our office and we'll make you a photo ID for voting purposes so uh bring that now if you fail to bring that or don't have a photo id i will still vote uh all voters will be allowed to vote with or without a photo id uh if you don't have a photo id they're going to make you vote a provisional and you have to reason give us a reason why you don't have that id but uh don't let uh don't let anything stop you get out on september 12th for our first primary here and go ahead and vote
0: I want to repeat that so everyone is allowed to vote um Correct. So if you go you should be allowed to vote there should not be an issue with you voting however if you don't have an id there might be some follow-up questions
3: there, there will be a provisional process to do that you're exactly right so uh uh it, it it's a little it's a little, little confusing uh but i want to make sure i get everybody voting uh that's my job is to take care of the voters of mecklenburg county uh so don't let uh don't let anything stop you get out and vote
0: and you touched on this but um student ids will work when we're talking about some of the local colleges
3: correct uh correct a, a, a unc charlotte uh, all of the all the schools here uh their um their photo ids for the, that they are issued will work uh, as a, as an id available for voting Uh, that uh, your driver's license you know it's funny we've been making photo ids down here for about the last three or four weeks at the board of elections office Uh, people will literally drive up in their car and get out of the driver's side and come in and say i want a photo id for voting Uh, they already have one Uh, if they realize that they drove down they've got a north carolina driver's license they're welcome to just show that that works perfectly uh, all we're doing is looking at the picture. We're not verifying an address on a driver's license. We're just looking at the picture to believe, to make sure that that is a reasonable resemblance to the person that is standing in front of us.
0: Do you expect this will affect voter turnout?
3: It did not like you, you referenced at the very beginning. Uh, it did not affect it uh, then. Um, I think we ended up with maybe 15 or 20 provisionals from the earlier election that we had about four or five years ago, uh, where we had to, uh, they didn't have a photo ID, so we had to to do something with that. Uh, A few years back, I think our our state board of elections uh, at the time when this all started back in 17, uh, a few years back, they ran a... um, A COMPARISON OF HOW MANY PEOPLE IN THE DMV DATABASE WERE ALSO IN OUR NORTH CAROLINA VOTER REGISTRATION DATABASE AND THE NUMBER WAS SOMETHING LIKE 96-97%. SO I THINK MOST PEOPLE WILL HAVE that, THAT PHOTO ID uh with them as a driver's license a North Carolina driver's license uh but uh but like I said I think they really want to make sure that we we don't have anybody turned away we want to make sure that they we can get those folks voting
0: behind the scenes does this mean any extra work for for you and your staff
3: oh sure it does uh sure it does but we're uh we're paid to do this uh we'll have to uh review extra provisionals uh the whole process of making ids that's new to us here Uh, at uh, at our office so uh, a lot of work goes into it the training process for our precinct officials has been updated and revised to reflect how we do a photo ID Uh, a lot of work goes in on the back end but we're confident that our people can handle this
0: Michael Dickerson you and I've been having this chat now going back 16 17 years something like that and you've been doing the job for a lot longer than that thanks for what you do and thanks for coming on and chatting with us it's always a pleasure thank you Ben all right take care More Flashpoint after this. Every child is guaranteed a public education free of discrimination, but a WCNC Charlotte investigation found per capita schools in North Carolina report suspending and expelling students with disabilities at length more than every other state in the country. WCNC Charlotte's Nate Morbido is seeking solutions.
4: Oh, uh-huh, kind of, being chilling. The playful sounds... He's amazing. ...of a nine-year-old... He's extremely smart. ...enjoying summer... He has a heart of gold. ...are only temporary... I'm not going! ...but sometimes he
1: has triggers.
4: But we have to go. When it's time to leave... Anger... We just got here! ...replaces joy. No! Diagnosed with autism, anxiety, and ADHD... <laughs> Cohen... No is a fighter in more ways than you can see. He's come so far
1: from when he started school in kindergarten to now.
4: He's now more than a year removed from second grade. It was awful. A school year in which his inappropriate and disruptive behavior prompted Roanne Salisbury schools to suspend him for a combined 17 days. It makes me ill. A cycle his mother says fostered an unhealthy relationship with school. It's <laughs> The worst feeling in the world. Required district reviews of his education and clinical history ultimately found Cohen's conduct had a direct or substantial relationship to his disability. Meaning, in hindsight, his elementary school should have never suspended him in the first place.
1: All I want to do now is fight for him.
4: His mom is a fighter too. You good? Julia Waite has spent years adapting her behavior to meet Cohen's needs.
1: I honestly don't know how he passed second grade.
4: The latest federal data from the 2019-2020 school year, recently shared with Congress, shows public schools in North Carolina report this kind of discipline per capita more than any other state in the nation. And most of the students they're punishing are black. We're telling students we don't want you here. Caitlin Wayland Jones with the Council for Children's Rights isn't just a disability and education attorney. She's the mother of a one year old with Down syndrome.
1: It is concerning. Th- this is the reality of what she will be
4: entering. She knows the research shows exclusionary discipline is ineffective. Plus a precursor to dropping out of school and potential criminal behavior.
1: What we really need to be doing for these students is providing them support and this the skills and tools um, to change the behavior.
4: Leading up to the start of remote learning, at least 21,500 kids with disabilities face some form of out of school punishment. Educators say post pandemic there are even more students in need of individual attention, yet fewer teachers and support staff to help.
2: It's
1: extremely unfair that students are left without the resources that they need.
4: Ray LeGrone says overwhelmed and outmatched teachers need state lawmakers to properly fund education as ordered by the courts.
1: Our state is shirking its responsibilities.
4: Some states have largely banned this form of discipline for specific elementary school grade levels, encouraging alternatives that address the individual student.
1: He was disrupted because his needs were not being met.
4: After Cohen's initial suspensions, emails show Rowan Salisbury Schools and his teacher committed to a partnership that would help the second grader reach his greatest potential, all as his mother asked them to find a way to keep him in school. By the time he hit 10 days out of school, the district pledged to explore additional options to help him be successful at school. But when he acted out, RSS continued reacting with suspensions.
5: We are making that real effort this year to look at the whole child and not just the whole child, but their whole history and in determining what is best in that moment, what our reaction is going to be.
4: Michelle Shu can't talk specifically about any case, but told us the school district is now more student focused under its new leadership.
5: We've had to adjust and adapt and that requires sometimes that that you make mistakes she says
4: today RSS is equipped with better training new community partnerships and improved internal oversight to ensure consistently fair discipline
5: we want to do the very best we can for them and as humans you know we're we're learning too
4: is there a feeling of letting those kids down <sighs> for shoe it's personal
5: I can speak to this as a, as a former teacher I think that teachers Often feel that they've failed students.
4: She knows past failures can impact a kid's future.
5: We're going to make it our priority to do better next time. I'm so, so angry.
4: Cohen's mom since moved him to a different school.
1: They are open to learning. They are open to learning him.
4: One that she says makes it a priority to keep him in the classroom.
1: He fights every day. A right. (laughs) He really does.
4: Worth the fight. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte.
1: While
0: North Carolina leads the country, federal data shows South Carolina isn't far behind. Keep in mind, this is the best data we have. Some states may do a worse job of reporting this kind of discipline. More Flashpoint after this. Folks, come interact with us on social media. Let us know what you think about the show and let us know what you think we should talk about maybe on the next Flashpoint. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next week.